Hello, split screeners. Due to some scheduling conflicts, the team wasn't able to get together to record this week. So instead, we're bringing you this gem from the archive, our episode about time. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but for now, please enjoy this recast of Too Many Games, Too Little Time. Nah. Welcome to Kotaku Split Screen, the show where we tackle video games one extremely specific topic at a time. I am your host, Ash Parrish. I am joined by my emotional support co-workers. I've got Nathan Grayson. Say hello, Nathan. Hey, everybody. And Mike, not Matthew, Mike Fahey. Hi, Mike. You never know which Fahey you're going to get. It, that uh, it's like a Dr. Jekyll, me. Mr. Hyde thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just distresses me the idea that there's more than one of you. That there's more than one like person with the last name Fahey, that Fahey might have a family. No, what? just more than what one. What's wrong with me having a family? <laughs> my my kids are beautiful children. There's nothing wrong and with you. That's why we a record the podcast at this time every week to avoid them. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> beautiful, loud children. They're very loud. Well, <sighs> this week we're not talking about Fahey's loud children. We're going to be that's talking about week. yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. be talking about time. Nathan wants to make Pink Floyd reference, as he has been ever since we decided the topic for this podcast, which has completely flown over my head because I'm not sure I can name a Pink Floyd song. Yeah, no. So, so our next episodes are going to be like Money, mm-hmm. Animals, Us and Them, uh, Great Gig in the Sky. You know, those are going to be all of our next topics. Dark, the dark Side of the future. Moon. We're a Pink Floyd fan cast. Now. Every, every game that We're has the boomers. Dark Side of the Moon in it. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys were able to get that out of your system. Yep. Thank um, you. But wait, thank wait. I haven't gotten rid of out of my system though. I'm going to be doing the Rolling Stones. Time has come today. Every single, every single time. Wow. Yeah. Time there. That's that's gonna that's gonna get annoying. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're talking about time, and time. to start our discussion of time, we're going to do a segment we like to call Bullet Time. It's not bullet <gasps> points. It's bullet time. Uh, So we chose time as our topic this week because it has been simultaneously the longest year ever and the shortest year ever. It is simultaneously the sixth month of March while also being November and almost over and none of it makes sense. And it's all extremely tiring and time is time is a real time. As, uh, <laughs> the character from Rogue One uh, would say, time isn't real. And it's not real. We are meats in jars with brains that perceive time extremely weirdly, where it dilates and contracts depending on our mood. And none of that has anything to do with video games. So, uh, Fahey, Oof. talk about bullet time. First, before we talk about bullet time, I just want to say the most astounding part of that entire sequence where you're talking about time being condensed and we're being meat in jars. What struck me as the most amazing part of that is that you remembered a character from Rogue One. <laughs> I like Rogue One. Rogue One was mm-hmm. a great movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is. It's, it's It was a good, fun, you know, they all die at the end movie. I, I didn't see what was wrong with oh it. Oh, my God. I mean, you just ruined it for anyone who's going to watch it. 
<laughs> you just spoiled Sorry, the living for hell. Spoiling like oh my, a it's okay. five-year-old movie. It's now? it's it's oh, five man, years old. Speaking of time, oh is that God. movie really already five years old? No, it's that, close. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus. And also, we're gonna rewind to the point where we don't spoil the movie. <laughs> Bullet time. <laughs> Bullet time. Remember bullet points from a few episodes back? Well, this is bullet time. Pew, pew, pew. Was that, that was like a slow motion bullet noise from my mouth. Yeah, I know. I got it. It was really good. So what we do. Have you, have you considered just like being a, like a Foley effects person? Uh, the, my name was Mike Foley for a while there. <laughs> but now you're thinking of a pro wrestler. Mick That's Foley. Mick, Mick Foley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, or Dave Foley from New Kids. Now we're just having a complete tangent. Yeah, we're just like doing word association now. That's today's episode. Word association. What we're going to do here with Bullet Time, which is bullet points, but with a different name, Bullet Time, is we're going to talk about, real quick, nine games that play with time. I'm just going to list them off. We're going to give our thoughts. We're going to move on. The very first one we're going to start with is Super Hot. Super Hot. Super hot. Guys. Right, yeah. Um, You've not played super hot. I have played super hot. Okay, well then chime in. This is a group participation sort of sequence. Yeah. Oh, wow. The only memorable thing about super time was, or super Super time, time. super hot. (laughs) (laughs) Super hot is the guy going super hot, super hot. And then you shoot some things and they explode and that's it. Super hot. All right, so. I have a couple of thoughts, okay. one of which is like, yeah, generally the game, like, okay. So if we're talking about the way the game uses time, I, I think it's pretty neat. Like, you know, it, it's neat that when you stop moving, everything else stops moving. It's a clever conceit. It allows for some, you know, on one hand, it's a first person shooter. On the other hand, I would really describe it. as almost more of a puzzle game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is a neat like way to sort of layer genres. I also have to point out that the um, criminally underappreciated game, what the golf that came out, I believe, last year has a super hot level in it, which is extremely funny. You do super hot golf. Um, it, it has the same aesthetics as super hot. And like you. Does the ball not move unless you're moving? Uh, like the level stops moving unless you oh. hit the ball. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's a clever little homage. But anyway, yeah. Super hot is neat. I've heard the VR version is really, really cool. The VR, like, the VR version is insane. It is, it is wonderful and, and amazing and one of the best arguments for virtual reality. That said, can't be bothered to put on a virtual reality helmet these days. But if I did, I'd play some super hot. All right. So what's the next game? The next game. You guys might be familiar with this one. It is called The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I believe... What? It, the inferior of the two. I'm just going to go right there, there and say there it, are, burn it all down. There are two of them? What are you talking about? That, From that Ocarina of Time, like, oeuvre. And Majora's Mask. Yeah. Oh, so we're putting them in an oeuvre. Well, Majora's Mask had nothing to do with time at all, except for the, well, the whole. Everything to for do the with entire time? game. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys. One, This one's called the Ocarina of Time, though. The Ocarina of Time. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of Zelda games do that. A Link to the Past was also about time. Kind of. Kind of. But the um, Ocarina of Time had you be young Link and old Link. It messed with your actual time and took you back and forth between the areas. I, I, I enjoyed playing the same character from two different levels, from a child to an adult. I wish it was more adult of a game, though, because I want that payoff at the end. Well, then you just play Twilight Princess. 
Um, but to Ash's point, I think that the game we should actually be discussing right now is Majora's Mask because I think that I game agree. actually used time mm-hmm. in a way that was mechanically clever, more pervasive throughout mm-hmm. the game. Fine, um, you like guys, of time. Okay, okay, okay. you're taking over bullet points. That's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. And it's now this is now Majora's Mask time. It's no longer All Ocarina right, of briefly, Time time. Briefly, I will say I really liked when I was a kid. I really liked how Ocarina of Time did. You know, the whole transition between you being a kid and an adult. I thought it was like a really, for me, it was a twist and it sort of added to the kind of mystique of the game and the world and like how out of control everything had gotten. Um, It punctuated things nicely. Majora's Mask, though, basically said, okay, so after a certain amount of time, you're going to have to reset uh, after three in game days. But what does resetting mean? What can you actually keep? What is progress when everything keeps resetting? And I think it had some really interesting answers to that question. Uh, some of them were arbitrary. I really liked that you could like store your rupees in a bank. And yeah. then for some reason that would persist when the entire world reset. Because capitalism is the only thing that endures. Let me just say, um, if we endure a societal reset or the world ends, I really hope Wells Fargo does not <laughs> continue to exist. Though I have a feeling they would find a way. That said, Ash, your thoughts on Majora's Mask? I just thought it was the better game. Oh I know. Um, I know. Everybody talks a lot of big shit about Ocarina of Time, and it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I played them back to back, and I looked at Majora's Mask. I was like, oh, no, this is a much better game. Just the way that it did with the countdown of the days. It's also much darker. It's a much darker like sadder. Yeah, that um, that was my problem with Majora's Mask. It creeped me out. The moon, the 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 creepy mask guy, everything. It just made me uneasy in a way that that I that I could never get past. And I've tried. I've tried. But I mean it's not like before that point uh Legend of Zelda games weren't dark, but I think that's the darkest one that I can remember from the games that preceded it. And I just enjoyed it a lot better. So I like the idea that he, you know, puts on the faces of dead people that he finds <laughs> and Yay. gains their power and can like play a bone guitar, bone, fishbone guitar. Hey. Yeah, fishbone yeah, guitar. Yeah, I can play a bone. Wait, no. That's okay. Anyway, next That's one. That's a masturbation joke. No, I did not. Anyway. Oh my God. Why would you point that out? Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Now that we've proven those two wrong, we have the third bullet point, bullet time, bullet point time. Titanfall 2. Specifically, the effects and cause level of Titanfall 2. This is the level where, in the middle of just running through the giant robot game, time travel, used as a kind of a weird construct, instead of like flashbacks, you go through a level and you go through these little time things and you see events that happened in the past, you work through them and it's kind of a weird mystery thing you unravel as you go through it. But it's strange that this whole time, instead of being like a whole game where time is huge and massive and important, it's just a level. There's not a lot going on. We'll go through that time level. Do do they revisit that mechanic again? I don't think they do, do they? Not really, no. So it's just like, from what I remember of Titanfall 2, you just do this level and suddenly there's time and then it just goes back to normal shooting the Gundam fight. Yeah, it's kind of, they use it as a method of introducing the big bad weapon at the end of the game. Like, here's how it was developed. Here's how it's coming about. Here's why it's coming about. Okay, we're done with time. Go ahead. We're going to, let's go prefab some buildings. (laughs) All right. So I have a a very shameful confession to make, which is that I never finished Titanfall 2, even though it's a short campaign. And I really should. I know. I know. I'm a a monster. Uh, But 
I guess I'm wondering, because like I, I see people mention that level very frequently as one they hold in an incredibly high regard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like Same. one of the levels that, you know, made the campaign like on level with Half-Life 2 or something. So even though you say it feels kind of like a little bit random or not random, but like that element of it doesn't really arise anywhere else in the game. Why do you think it's so good? What makes it so interesting in terms of how it uses time to be this like standout moment of the game? I think it's because it's it's a, it's like a narrative window to the past rather than like a, where another shooter would say, give you audio files and say, here's what mm-hmm. happened back 10 years ago. And you'd have piecing together the story through audio files. Instead, we get this level where, yeah, you're going back in time. You're just going to see what happened and experience what happened and try to avoid what happened because you don't want to get caught. But it's 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 a different sort of mechanic that's part flashback but done in such an intriguing and unique way. And it's, and it is kind of jarring that they don't bring it back. It's not like a running theme throughout the whole game. It's just this one section's like sort of irradiated or whatever time travel. And now we're done with time travel. It was so great. I think to Nathan's point, I, that level didn't particularly endear me to Titanfall two more than anything else. I know. Uh, I was more interested in, in, um, BT developing the relationship with his operator throughout the course of the game. And that meant more to me than the time travel level. Okay. So, so far we've established that these two hate time travel. (laughs) I love time travel. No, you don't. Fourth, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Everyone's played Chrono Trigger, right? I have not played Chrono Trigger. Oh, Oh, man. What a bummer. (laughs) Actually, it was funny because my partner uh, was playing Chrono Trigger the other day, like literally like this weekend. And I'm, I'm watching him play and I'm like, okay, so explain this to me. Like, why is it held up? at the top of everybody's video game list. Like, I, I don't see what's different about this than, say, your Legends of Zelda's or, or other games from that particular era. Like, what what makes Chrono Trigger that, you know, that bitch? Mm-hmm. And he was trying to explain it to me, and I, and I get it, but I also don't get it. See, unlike most people, or I think there's a subset of people who, like me, prefer Chrono Cross, which is the PlayStation, the original PlayStation version, uh, not version, but the sequel. Because I like having 35 million characters in my party and being able to choose from them. Um, a lot of people hate that. But Chrono Trigger was great because it, it kind of played with different eras. It, you had your characters in one fantasy world and then you went to a different fantasy world that was the same fantasy world but slightly off. You got future, you and got then robots. The dystopic future. Oh, the dystopic future is the best. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like Sonic CD. <laughs> what? Yeah, where like you can like go to the fat past and you have like the good future and the bad future. Like the way you're describing this is like, wait, this just sounds like Sonic CD to me. Um, <laughs> right, I'm, huh. I'm pretty sure Chrono did did Chrono Cross come out before? It had to. Yeah, Chrono Cross came out. Trigger, sorry, came out before Sonic CD. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely, probably. Um, but no, I I think the Chrono Cross was really good because yeah, you know, it really explored the time conceit and a lot of like you you travel all over the place. There are a lot of like. The, the story is just really well interwoven with that idea. And like the details are really, really good. And I think like stand out in a way that even, even now a lot of games haven't really gotten down in terms of like doing time travel. I will never forget the, the little pods you sleep in mm-hmm. to heal in the future. And now you step out of them and it's like, but you're still hungry or like you, you don't feel like you've eaten. Like it's this, you know, very, it's this small thing, yeah, it's- but it captures the idea of like how this future still sucked where it's like, 
yeah, there's technology that lets you recover instantly, but you feel like garbage. Oh. So that's a bummer. Um, stuff like that. And then also just the, the breadth and scope of it for the time was just like nothing else. The number of endings in that game based on, you know, all sorts of little things you can do while hopping between various time streams is ridiculous. So yeah, it was just this really, I, I think the, this incredibly ambitious game pulled off with a level of attention to detail that is in many ways unmatched even in modern video games. That said, I also, uh, I've also played a bit of Chrono Cross and man, that game for some reason stuck with me in a big way when I was younger because of like the central conceit of ending up in like the world you knew, but also sort of not where nobody remembers you. Oh God. Like it's nightmares. that became a weird sort of like, not phobia for me, but just like the sort of thing where if you ask me to think about like a horror scenario, something I'm afraid of, I wouldn't say like a monster popping out of nowhere. I'd be like that, like talking to people who I knew and cared about. And it's like, I never existed. Who, who, wait, Who's on the podcast with us? Ash, did you hear someone? Did we forget about Nathan? No, oh see, my God. we were trying, you ruined my little thing. Okay, <laughs> we're going to go back to bullet points now. Bullet time. <laughs> this one, this uh, I'm going to go through them quick now because we, we've been eating up a lot of time here. So let's do, next is Capcom's Disney Afternoon Collection. The reason this is in my little list is because you could rewind these games. These were games that were hard as hell when I was a kid. They were tough. You had to fight through them. Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, they were, t- they were hard. But this game gives you a whole entire playthrough programmed into the game for each of these little titles. And you can rewind and scrape through them or let the game take over. Uh, it lets you scrub through the entire game, which is cheating and horrible, but also so good. Huh. Yeah, I think that's really cool. You guys, do, um, you guys It's do, actually going to tie into something that I... Going to talk about in our third segment, far in the future. Far. We haven't time traveled there yet, but we will in the future. Um, but yeah, I think that it's really neat when games offer you the ability to just like, you know, if you're having trouble with a part and you want to see the rest to get to the next part. Yeah, just, just. Like I, I think that that's that's just like respecting your time. Mm-hmm. Let's plays built into the actual game. Exactly, I was about to say that. Next game, Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Is it really about time though? It's not. It's not about time so much as it is about different dimensions. Crash hops through different dimensions with his friends and enemies in the game. There is a time element, though. You can slow down time, so you get a mask. One of the four masks you get will allow the action to slow down, like the automatic stuff that happens while Crash moves in real time. So, like, uh, there'll be a waterfall where there's ice flows falling at a rapid speed, you can hit your mask and it slows down time just long enough for you to use those as platforms to get across before speeding back up again. And it's, it's a very cool little device, but I don't know if the game's about time. It says it's about time. And then that's a pun because Crash Bandicoot hasn't had a numbered sequel in a couple decades, but I don't know. if I, I was really hoping you're going to be like Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Is it about time? Nope. Next game. I have, okay. um, yeah, no. I haven't played it. So I, I, I have no actual input. I just have got jokes. Yeah, you got, got jokes. jokes. Good. That's fine. Jokes are fine. Next, we have number seven of nine. Seven of nine. Oh, wow. Star Trek. Anyway, but seven of nine is Beautiful Joe 2003. Oh, oh Capcom. Man. That one I didn't play either. Have at it. Oh, oh I, I played that game 
on the GameCube when I was a child. Um, you children. I mean, I remember loving it. It was also a game where I remember like not figuring it out initially. Like I didn't, again, I was young, so I was also stupid and I didn't really know how to engage the time travel mechanics. I tried to just play it as like a straight beat em up and just got obliterated because you can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you can't. No, no. You need a henshin a go-go. You need to use that V-Watch. You need to slow down the time. It's the story. Those are words. Those are words. Yeah, no, it's a story of a giant headed guy with a goatee who who becomes a superhero. He becomes a Power Ranger. He becomes a time traveling you know, like hero. A super Sentai type of character. Yeah, yeah, he's a Super Senpai. And he's great. Right, but. I think it's Sentai, <laughs> but okay. Senpai. Yeah, it's definitely Sentai. Okay, so wait, you're not supposed to notice <laughs> me, Sentai? Oh, crap. <laughs> I've been doing this wrong for years. Next game. Yeah, and I've been yelling that at Power Rangers. Oh my god. Really... The the next game is simple, all of Assassin's Creed. Oh man. Okay, this is really interesting mm-hmm. to me because I am, um, you know, I think that the agreed upon thing among a lot of people is that the present day storyline is just like, you know, who cares? It's about like going into the past and experiencing these vast, fully realized recreations of historical places, so on and so forth. But there's that like holdout of people who are really into the present day storyline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the fucking like Dan Brown ass conspiracy <laughs> shit. And like out of uh, not respect for that, but just like curiosity, I was reading the lore primer that Zach wrote the other day. Right. And man, that present day storyline goes places. Like, Damn I mean, it, I haven't read that. I need to go back now and check that yeah, out. Yeah, it's worth reading. Like, there is some bonkers shit that happens in those games. Like some, some storytelling that is so audacious that I'm like, wow, I did not know that this like major AAA game was attempting this, the, these sorts of things. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that it at all succeeds based on where it ends up. Not at all. They're just definitely like stringing along ideas as they go, but credit to them for being like, what's the most ridiculous thing we can do here? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Why not? They, they do that because they know nobody's going to pay attention to it. So they can go absolutely batshit at, to their heart's content. Yeah. So, I mean, on one hand, is any of it really good? No, not really. But I admire that they have committed to it and are just going for it because it's still there. Yeah, I mean, in Valhalla, which just came out as, we, as we're recording this, is it out? Yes, it's out. Actually, yesterday it came out. In Valhalla, you, you just pop into these random people and there's like a whole little section and a little camp. And it shows up, and I'm like, I, what, I can I get back to the Viking people now? I don't want to walk around this cabin. Why are we doing this? But I do appreciate that they've stuck with it all this time instead of just going, you know what? Forget it. You're an assassin back in the old days because really that's what it's all about. The final game in bullet time. Bullet time. Number nine. Blinks. The time sweeper. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Okay. On to the next segment. Neither me. Yeah. Let's go to the next segment. First, let's have a little break. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
All right. Welcome back, everybody. It is now time for our second segment of the show. Today, we are doing a speed run through a very particular element of video game time. Uh, I felt like this was appropriate because we're smack in the middle of the holiday season. And it's kind of a strange thing on the video game calendar every year, uh, at least in this day and age. So I wanted to go through why this happened in the first place and why we still do it. Why we have in this particular week alone, let's see what we have. Assassin's Creed. We have the new Destiny expansion. We have the new consoles. We have Spider-Man. We have Spider-Man. And that is the beginning of that list. I was looking over it earlier and it is a truly terrifying number of games. Like a number of them where I look at it and I'm just like, I'm never going to play most of these in part because they're all coming out at the same time. Love to play them if they weren't, but you know, here we are. So anyway, why do we do this? Especially in an age when I think games kind of still like more games come out at other times of the year now than they used to. And they do fine. So this is a lot of really interesting stuff for one, you know, it's the holiday season. It's an agreed upon thing that we all do every year. Uh, that starts earlier and earlier every year to get people to buy things for Christmas and whatnot. Uh, This trend began in 1920. Like it's been going for a minute. Um, And it was because (laughs) there was a Thanksgiving parade in Philadelphia sponsored by like two major stores, Gimbel's department store and like Macy's. Macy's, And so they were having like a competition to try to get people to buy stuff by like having floats and marchers and everything. I was and really sad. Then, like, huh? Sorry, I was really sad for a second because I thought you were going to tell me there were video games in 1920. Um, if only. I mean, Nintendo was around back then, I think. so. They weren't fun you know, yet, though. They, they, were, <laughs> they were on the way to making video games. Mm-hmm. It was a twinkle in their eye. Um, but anyway, so since then, like Thanksgiving and Christmas shopping have kind of been intertwined in American culture, all because of this one day where two stores were trying to sell shit. And so like initially, you know, when games were first coming out, uh, as we've discussed in like a previous episode, they're for kids. People thought of them as kids' toys. And so, of course, they became intertwined with like, what do you get your kids for Christmas? You get in video games. And this was true going back to even like the very early 80s before the like video game crash of 1983 and all that stuff. So then we move into the 80s and 90s when we got all these like holiday shopping fads. Like I'm sure y'all remember like Tickle Me Elmo yep. and Furbies. Cabbage Patch Kids. And like... And then one of my favorite things to remember about that time period, they just made a movie about this trend, about the holiday season. They made Jingle All the Way about Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to get a toy for his son. From Sinbad, which is, yes. it was, it's the best Mar- Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Okay. Um, so <laughs> in response to like all of this like fad craziness and the way that like people were, you know, going ballistic, trying to get toys and other like fad items, the holiday kept expanding. Black Friday kept expanding, you know, in part because there's money there, in part because people needed more time to get stuff. Although it did not become the busiest shopping day of the year until 2005, which I found interesting. People always advertise it as like, this is the day, but it didn't actually become the day until long after they started doing that. So anyway, obviously Black Friday became this enormous thing in the holidays Opening times crept earlier and earlier. It was a nightmare for workers who like stage strikes and stuff like that. But, you know, here we are. So, yeah, then we get into like the kind of peak of this for video games, which was, I think, like the holiday season where the Wii was the big thing. And so here's the fun part. For the Wii, it wasn't just one holiday season. It was two 
where there were massive shortages. Yeah, 2006 and seven, right? Yeah. And like, it was truly nightmarish on Black Friday. Like I, um, I found an account from a GameStop worker that was printed by a business insider. And they said, as a GameStop worker, when the Wii came out, the second we unlocked the doors, shit was a riot. People were fighting one another, swearing, crying, just about everything. People were so desperate when someone managed to get one, somebody would throw the other person to the ground and buy it. Like it was just a fucking wrestling match in the store. I remember that because I used to work for Circuit City when they were still a thing. And I was Aww. there when uh, the Wii was out and the Wii Fit. So uh, for just as much as people were beating the shit out of each other for a Wii, they were doing the <laughs> same for the Wii Fit balance board. Man, that's actually, I mean, then they then they can like get in better shape for Yeah, that was part of the value added proposition Friday. of the Wii balance board was fighting to get it. Yeah. Um, so the thing about all of this, though, is that like we now live in a time when I think games are releasing a little bit. A lot of games are not focused on the holiday season so much anymore, though we do still have a really packed holiday season. And so the question is like, is there a point to any of this? There is. According to the NPD, even now, video game sales are generally three times higher during November and December than in other parts of the year. So it does still make sense to release your game during this time to maximize sales. So you have all that hype. And so you want to cash in on tons of people buying games right now. And it's also close to the end of the year. So that means publications and the game awards hosted by Jeff world exclusive Keeley are, you know, announcing their awards. So that looks good for your games. One of the best ways to make sure that you're remembered for those awards is to, you know, release closer to them. So it all like there, there are good reasons for it. But at the same time, uh, I also found it interesting that, you know, like we live in an era where there's so much happening in terms of like stuff being bought that there's not really any single fad happening in the holidays anymore. It's, it's much harder to monopolize them when you like release something. So like, I think it was a comic book report or something had this, no, it was like game crate had this really interesting paragraph in an article about the video game holiday, holiday season that I wanted to recount. What ultimately killed the trend tickle me almost started is ultimately this as the market became more and more, more complex and more multifaceted, it became impossible to hype one new thing with cable television and in-store retail. A craze could be triggered based on selective advertising, but now things are fractured. Buy in stores or buy online stream media without ads or watch cable. There's no one way we interpret the world and it's harder to start a cultural obsession like once was so common, especially focused into the holiday season. And so, yeah, now we have games that come out in the spring or like winter after the holiday season because they, you know, look at like, like for instance, this year, literally cyberpunk, everyone is like, we don't want to be in the same month as that. So they're just all delaying their games. And then indie games do way better at other points in the year, spring, summer, whatever. Even AAA games do pretty well at other points in the year. God of War came out in like April and sold, you know, more than 10 million units, did great. Also, game development is hard and it's become increasingly really difficult to hit the holiday season. Halo Infinite got delayed. Cyberpunk keeps getting delayed. So like we're at this weird point where we still do this thing. We still have this one week where all the games come out, but it makes less and less sense. And there are alternatives. So, I mean, why do we still do it? Because there's money to be made, clearly. But there's also money to be made at other times in ways that don't kill your employees. So, anyway, the season, that's the, the video game holiday season. Yeah, the season's fading away at this point. It's, it's no longer really a thing, but the retailers are still doing it. And that's why we're getting Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 both in November. 
with Call of Duty and all this big pile of games, I was on Twitter the other day, or yesterday, just yesterday, going, there are too many games I want to play, and that hasn't happened in a long time. And even even during previous fall seasons, that doesn't generally happen to me because I have my games mapped out. But right now, I want to play Fuser. I want to play Sackboy. I want to play Bug Snacks, of course. <laughs> I'm also into Assassin's Creed. I'm messing with Watch Dogs. I'm playing God... What is it? Godfall? I wonder if this is a function of the fact that there is it's the consoles. So because we have the consoles, we're getting this glut. Yeah, and some excitement's being generated there. But I look back this year and see one of the biggest games of the entire year came out in the in in the spring. Uh, Animal the Last of Us. Animal Crossing, not The Last of Us. No one cares about The Last of Us. <laughs> You're right. I stand corrected. Yeah. Nobody gives Eat a shit it, about The Last Ruckman. of Us too. I'm sure there's some people who are very touched by that game. I couldn't play it because it was too The Last of Us. But Animal Crossing came out in the fall and, and took us all over. And, and it's 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 also a function of the, the way the years played out this particular year. Since Animal Crossing came out two decades ago in this mm-hmm. year's personal timeline. Yeah. I mean, hardly anyone's talking about it now, but it feels like it was forever we clung to Animal Crossing for dear life through all of this. That was a good mm-hmm. summer game because I think that the summer, even though like COVID is like worse now and is slowly getting worse and oh, worse God, than please. it was in the summer. Yeah. COVID or uh, we were all scared to death of COVID and Animal Crossing was very soothing for like that summer of COVID fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it was as popular uh, as it was because we're like, okay, we can't do anything. It's beautiful outside. Let's go decorate our fake houses and give presents to our animal neighbors. Until Nintendo yeah. rolled out the COVID update, which made, <laughs> they made half of your villagers just expire. And That's dark. They wouldn't let you in their house. You, you knock on their That's door. Man. Oh my gosh. That's but, uh, this is horrible. But yeah, you, Darkest do, timeline. you do make an interesting, good point, which is that, you know, increasingly any blockbuster game can become an event unto itself simply by releasing at the right time. It doesn't need to be the holidays. It can be, you know, zeitgeisty no matter what, especially in the case of something like Animal Crossing releasing during a pandemic, which is, to be fair, a very extreme example, hmm. um, but nonetheless, an, a salient one. Anyway, with all of that said, I think it is time to move on to our next segment. But first, let's take a short break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're back for our last segment Woo-hoo! of the podcast. Um, Time. We're gonna <laughs> we're we're gonna do a little segment we like to call crosstalk, in which we talk about games that respect or don't respect our time. Uh, Nathan, what's a game that does not respect your time? Um, yeah. So I mean, I think there are a lot of them 
right now and in this day and age because so many games at this point have to not respect your time to get you to spend money. I, I think that we're seeing the rise of, and this has existed a lot in the mobile space for a long time, but I think even in like bigger kind of games as a service games, the kind of like meta has become, okay, well, if you play the game entirely free, everything takes way longer. Mm-hmm. And if mm. you spend money, then you kind of get the experience as it was intended to be played, which is like not in fast forward, just, you know, in a, at a more enjoyable pace. Um, and so I find that really interesting in regard to the kind of flavor of the past couple months, uh, Genshin Impact, oh, which is yeah. a, a, a kind of Breath of the Wild mixed with the JRPG uh, free game. It's entirely free, enormous, expansive world, full of possibility. But at the same time, there is ultimately a hook. There's ultimately a point at which it wants you to spend money. Uh, what I find interesting about it is that at the outset, it respects the heck out of your time. and lets you do pretty much whatever you want to. A lot of content is open. Even the grind to like unlock more stuff is fundamentally really enjoyable because it's rooted in exploration. Um, like Breath of the Wild style expo- exploration. So it's honestly the best part of the game is like just exploring the world and kind of doing what the game considers grinding to up your adventurer rank. But eventually you do hit a point where like, especially for the end game, it starts limiting the amount you can do every day in a really, really abrupt way to where like, if you don't want to not be able to really do anything of consequence after, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, you've got to spend money. And so I think we're seeing this kind of like evolution where initially you had games like very openly not respecting your time to get you to spend money. And now developers are getting savvier. They're like, okay, so how can we hook people first with games that are admittedly like really good, but ultimately get them to spend money? And so it's one of these like weird trade-offs where it's like, is that a good trade-off? Like, should we be, you know, I guess happy that games like Genshin Impact are like, hey, you know, your first 20, 30 hours of this game or like 15, 10, whatever, are going to be enjoyable in a way where you don't really feel pressured to spend money. Or should we be like, no, this is just disguising something that's still pretty insidious? No, it's disguising something that's still pretty insidious. It's insidious, Insidious. yeah. I mean, along the same lines, one of my games that doesn't respect my time is, I mean, you could just say any mobile game, but I was once the Kotaku mobile editor. So I had to deal with a lot of the free-to-play stuff. Every single game that was free-to-play would throw some artificial restriction in there. And the only reason that mechanic existed, uh, fuel cells for a racing game or energy or lives in Candy Crush or worse, lives in this game I'm playing right now called Pop Blitz, which is the pop vinyl match three game where you can collect different pops, <laughs> which is exciting because I don't have to spend $10 a piece for a bit of plastic I'll never actually do anything with. But it has five lives and once you're over, you have to wait 10 minutes for the next life and why? Why am I waiting 10 minutes? There's no reason to wait 10. Oh, wait, I can spend money and buy some hearts or use some of the in-game money and buy some hearts. And then I, I don't want to pay for my time is what it comes down to. I think I, I feel like how, how I play and when I play should be my own decision. I shouldn't have to spend extra money to play more often. And there are different things to incentivize me to give you money. Uh, I will spend a couple bucks every now and then on some coins to buy a pop. 
And that's fine. Why should I have to 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 spend some money so I can play through another stupid 60-minute blitz section of matching little heads on my phone? I mean, I, I think the answer to that question, though, is pretty simple. Um, and that is that time is more valuable than anything else. They, like... Wait, are you they, saying time is, is money? It is that that is... Time whoa, is money. What? Time is money. Wow. Man, if only there was, like, a pink Floyd but song money is kind the of reflected on this idea. Evil. Does that mean time is evil? Time. <laughs> I I think it does. That's the only conclusion we can draw. Ash, what is a game that you think either does or does not respect your time? So this is weird. Uh, th- this is a game that does not respect your time also, but it kind of circle around, circles back and then ends up respecting your time more, but is worse for it. Uh, I'm talking about World of Warcraft with the new updates for... Um, was it was it Shadowlands? Shadowlands that kind of like streamlined the leveling experience, which makes it faster and easier to get from one to whatever the to level 50, which is like the highest level now where it would take like, you know, days, weeks, weeks. to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people Blizzard realized that they want this to go as fast as possible for people to get to the end content to experience all the new shiny shit that they've done at the cost of taking away some of the more interesting and fun aspects of leveling Mm -hmm. like there are azeroth is a big fucking world i mean i guess it has to be after like 16 years with like all the different expansions that they have and all the different little pieces of azeroth that gets piecemeal added on the map and some of those are great areas that are now going to be totally completely abandoned because you can't there's no incentive to to go do them anymore you can't and the way that the level squish has gotten everything all smushed you can't like go hop and level in pandaria for a little bit like you used to like okay i would go from one to ten here and then ten to twenty here and then twenty to thirty here and you know hop all over the place you just can't do that anymore with the way that the leveling experience is has been streamlined and you lose a lot of the richness of azeroth for that well you you can still go to those places you have to do those time-walking things, right? Right. You go to the time-walking thing, and it basically drops you. Like, if I say Pandaria, I will go to the time-walking dungeon, who is a cute... Uh, the time-walking NPC, who is a cute little gnome, who's actually a dragon, and I love her. But she will send you to Pandaria, and you'll start the expansion off as you did back in the old days. But two things. Pandaria is very boring. Second thing. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we'll fight yeah. over this. I gave... It's the only... Well, wow expansion i said you know what you can probably skip this one but but no the 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 thing is there's not a lot of incentive to go there as you said you can mm. gather up some pandarian armor but the leveling experience the leveling rate has been smushed between all of these expansions so it's it's not like you need to go there anymore you can level perfectly well going from the new opening experience to the most recent stuff and ignore all that rich history. And and I think what you were getting at there, and I'll let you say it after I say it, uh, <laughs> is that your character's not a friggin' hero anymore. Your character, the, my character that I've had since launch has gone through each of those expansions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, damn, I'm a badass in this world. I have gone through all these things. And if you go from the new starting experience to Warlord, to, sorry, not Warlords of Draenor, Wow, God, that's two ago. Yeah, that's two ago. If you go to the battle for Azeroth, it's like, wait, why are all these people respecting me so much? I haven't done shit. Yeah, it's just one of the things that you lose when you kind of cut all the fat out. 
mm-hmm. of the leveling experience, which is unfortunate because I think Azeroth is a beautiful place that should be experienced as much as can be with all the different places. But uh, mm. yeah, oh, can, that- I, can I add one last thing? I did, I, I did say I was going to talk about it earlier in the episode. It'd be weird if I didn't. Okay. Very quickly. I, I think that another way that game, games can respect your time that's kind of under-discussed is just by being shorter. There are, there's a dearth of short games, and that's a bummer because I think that I'd play a lot more games if they were just shorter. I see a lot of people talking about how like Spider-Man Miles Morales is short. Awesome. Sweet. Great. Great. I'll yeah. actually play it now. And then beyond that, like games giving you ways to get through them without having to like, you know, spend a bunch of time repeating stuff or whatever. I think Hades is a game that respects the heck out of your time despite being like a hundred hours along um, <laughs> because it gives you God mode and other means of bypassing content if you're having trouble with it. Cool. I, I think every game should do that. You should just have a bunch of granular difficulty options. You can tweak them to your heart's content and get to the game however you please. That is a great way to respect somebody's time. So yeah, I, I think that I just wanted to get those ideas out into the world because there should be more games that do that. But at the same time, one of the main reasons that I think they don't is because that makes it harder for them to make money through business models like the ones that we discussed for you know Genshin Impact and other games of that nature. And I think as games increasingly need to make money through those alternative business models, they're going to be less and less short games because games have to take over your life to incentivize you to spend money in them. So that sucks. Yeah, it reminds me of the, the thing that I've seen on Twitter. I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who are paid more to work less. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That is a beautiful sentiment. Yeah, I know. I want that too. I mean, every time I play a game where I'm I'm going through like a corridor on my way to the boss, if I stop, if I have the time to think, God, another corridor, huh? And that's that's a game not respecting my time. That's a game artificially. <gasps> Whoa, what the hell was that? Sorry, sorry, sorry. The dog. You have a dog? Um, here's my here's my petition to keep the dog in the podcast. Okay. I, I think any and all pet related gaffes should remain in the podcast. I agree. I second it. Dog stays in the podcast. Uh, Michaela, our producer, please mark that down. Dog stays in. <laughs> On that interrupting dog note, thanks, Fine. <laughs> I think that uh, in to respect you, our listeners' time, it's time, time to time to end it, to cut it off, to say goodbye. Uh, I have been your host, Ash Parrish. I have been joined by my coworkers. Mike Fahey and Nathan Grayson. Shut up, dog. <laughs> and your honorary co-worker, yeah, Ein. My, Ein. Our honorary podcast co-host, my my Welsh corgi, Ayn. Um, oh. You won't shut Look up. Puppy. He's never shut up now. <laughs> you are listening to Kotaku Split Screen Podcast. You can reach us via email at splitscreen at kotaku.com. And on Twitter, I am at adastra, A-D-A-S-H-T-R-A. You can find Fahey at Uncle Fahey, and you can find Nathan at Vaughn16. Our producer is Michaela Heck, and our sound engineer is Jamie Colazzo. We'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs> Woohoo, dog! <laughs>